Last fall, I booked a trip that should be terrific. I'll have a full report when I return. You mean, if you return, Mr. O'Reilly? Last fall, and did you? How I get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle. With They're you. everywhere. Yes, I'm stuck From in Pacifica middle Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. In Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast and 106.7 FM KSO in Cottage Grove. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 92.9 FM WLRI. In Maui, Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1 FM, Palinville, New York on 102.9 FM WLPP, in Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR, and in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950. We're also heard streaming coast-to-coast and around the globe on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us for another thrilling, action-packed adventure. Coming up, as the uh, world watches the Korean Peninsula for... An outbreak of war, potentially thermonuclear war. Fox News watchers and critics are waiting to see whether its top star, Bill O'Reilly, will ever return from a very long vacation that he recently took in the wake of newly reported sexual harassment allegations against both him and former Fox News president Roger Ailes. What a culture. Eric Bullert of Media Matters will join me shortly to discuss that and the U.S. corporate media's return to cheerleading presidents who start wars with sovereign nations because that's apparently what the U.S. corporate media does. Also, Desi Doyen will be here at the end to uh, with our latest Green News report to make everything all better somehow. <laughs> well, we're going to try. As you do. I try. Uh, and as the entire state of Florida is placed under a state of emergency, thanks to, you guessed it, more problems due to global warming, which, as the Florida governor who declared that state of emergency will tell you, doesn't exist. And you're not even allowed to say the words if you're a member of the uh, Florida Not in the state of Florida, government. baby. That's right. Uh, but speaking of wars with sovereign nations... Uh, you know, we have been uh, covering uh, what's going on in North Korea quite closely uh, in, in recent days. And I've been asking why the hell the U.S. corporate media has not themselves been covering it uh, cl- much closer, given the stakes right now. Um, literally seconds after we got off the air yesterday, I finally, finally a report was issued that I felt was worthy of what's going on. It came from NBC News with the headline, U.S. may launch a preemptive strike if North Korea reaches for nuclear trigger. 
The U.S., they write, is prepared to launch a preemptive strike with conventional weapons against North Korea should officials become convinced that North Korea is about to follow through with a nuclear weapons test, multiple senior U.S. intelligence officials told NBC News. North Korea has warned that a, quote, big event is near and U.S. officials say signs point to a nuclear test that could come as early as this weekend. The intelligence officials told NBC that the U.S. has positioned two destroyers capable of shooting Tomahawk cruise missiles in the region. That's what uh, Donald Trump shot into Syria last week, 59 Tomahawk cruise missiles. American heavy bombers are also positioned in Guam to attack North Korea should it be necessary, says NBC. And earlier this week, the Pentagon announced that the USS Carl Vinson Aircraft Carrier Strike Group was being diverted to the area. The U.S. strike, they say, could include missiles and bombs, cyber and special operations on the ground. The danger of such an attack by the U.S., they note, is that it could provoke the volatile and unpredictable North Korean regime to launch its own blistering attack on its southern neighbor. On Wednesday, North Korea had said it would, quote, hit the U.S. first with a nuclear weapon should there be any signs of U.S. strikes. On Thursday, North Korea warned of a, quote, merciless retaliatory strike should the U.S. take any action by relentlessly bringing in a number of strategic nuclear assets to the Korean peninsula, the U.S. is gravely threatening the peace and safety and driving the situation to the brink of a nuclear war, said North Korea in a statement. Now, uh, over at Fox News, speaking of Fox News, uh, Jennifer Griffin says that multiple senior defense officials say the NBC News report is, quote, wildly wrong, quote, crazy. Pentagon is... Pushing back, she says, on that NBC report, calling it extremely dangerous. Meanwhile, South Korea's top diplomat said on Thursday that the U.S. would consult with Seoul before taking any serious measures. U.S. officials, mindful of such concerns here, repeatedly reaffirmed that the U.S. will closely discuss with South, South Korea its North Korea-related measures, according to South Korea's foreign minister. Uh, in a parliamentary meeting uh, yes, on, uh, on Thursday, Vice President Mike Pence is now scheduled to travel to Seoul over the weekend. Multiple sources told NBC News that the U.S. is aware that simply preparing an attack, even if it will only be launched in the, in the event of an imminent North Korean action, increases the danger of provoking a large conflict. Well, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that the U.S. is aware of that. Multiple government officials familiar with the situation say that President Trump has talked to Chinese President Xi twice about North Korea since their Florida summit just last week. China has since sent its top nuclear negotiators to Pyongyang to communicate the gravity of the situation to the north, according to officials. NBC cites multiple U.S. officials who stress that Seoul has got to be persuaded that action is worth the risk as there is universal concern that any military move by the U.S. might provoke a North Korean attack, even with conventional weapons across the demilitarized zone into South Korea, uh, and potentially against, as we discussed yet on yesterday's show, against uh, many of the South's nuclear power plants that uh, are vulnerable there as well. The Trump administration 
Uh, it's amazing the way that uh, NBC puts this. I'm, I'm happy to see their report. Not so happy for this turn of phrase. The Trump administration, emboldened by their punishing strike on Syria. Really? Punishing? Planes were taking off from the airfield that they attacked the very next day. That's punishing? In any event, uh, emboldened by that strike and by a uh, what they describe as a successful meeting with the Chinese leader last week, um, the Trump administration hopes that the Chinese will use their considerable leverage to dissuade Kim Jong-un in North Korea and his government from moving ahead with their nuclear program. But Donald Trump made clear that if the Chinese were unable to defuse the situation, the U.S. would go it alone. On Thursday, he tweeted, I have great confidence that China will properly deal with North Korea. If they are unable to do so, however, the U.S. and its allies will. He threatened on Twitter. North Korea is a problem, Trump said at the White House on Thursday. The problem will be taken care of. North Korea's vice foreign minister, Hong Sol Ryal, uh, referring to North Korea by its official name, the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, said if the U.S. comes with reckless military maneuvers, then we will confront it with the DPRK's preemptive strike. So uh, reports that the U.S. will bring a preemptive strike, that uh, North Korea will bring a preemptive strike. The official added that if the U.S. shows any sign, signs of reckless military aggression, aggression, Pyongyang is ready to launch a preemptive strike of its own. Now, uh, please note that comment comes from the vice foreign minister. The uh, foreign ministry, as Steve Herman of VOA News pointed out to us uh, a few days ago on this show, he's been Steve Herman had been uh, for about 25 years covering uh, covering Asia as their uh, bureau chief in a number of uh, in Tokyo and elsewhere out there. And he said he reads these statements very closely when they come from the foreign ministry, he says. He's not all that worried when they begin to come from military uh, spokesperson. That's when he says we should start worry. So worrying. So so far, in any event, these comments are coming from the foreign ministry in North Korea. That foreign minister said uh, Pyongyang has determined the Trump administration is more vicious and more aggressive than that of Barack Obama, adding that North Korea will keep building up its nuclear arsenal in quality and quantity and said Pyongyang is ready to go to war if that's what Trump wants. He said Trump is always making provocations with his aggressive words. It's not the DPRK, but the U.S. and Trump that makes troubles, adding we will go to war if they choose. We've got a powerful nuclear deterrent already in our hands, and we certainly will not keep our arms crossed in the face of a U.S. preemptive strike, said Han in an exclusive interview with the Associated Press. Han... Um, in an interview on Friday, blamed Trump for raising tensions on the peninsula, said that his aggressive tweets were making trouble and that the situation is now in a, quote, vicious cycle of escalating tensions. China, for their part, um, said on uh, their comment about North Korea on Thursday was terse, saying military force cannot resolve this issue. The China foreign minister uh, said that to reporters in Beijing. China is North Korea's sole ally, sole major ally. 
but it opposes Pyongyang's nuclear weapons program along with all the other neighboring states. Beijing has called for multi-party talks leading to a peaceful resolution to denuclearize the Korean peninsula. The state-backed Chinese newspaper Global Times said the best course for North Korea would be to give up its nuclear program entirely and promise that Beijing will will protect the North if that happens. China said on Friday that tension over North Korea had to be stopped from reaching an irreversible and unmanageable stage. We call on all parties to refrain from provoking and threatening each other whether in words or actions, and not let the situation get to an irreversible and unmanageable stage, said the Chinese foreign minister uh, on Friday. Force cannot solve the problem. Dialogue can be the only channel to resolve the problem, he reiterated. The North's news agency KCA, however, on Friday said the U.S. introduces into the Korean Peninsula the world's biggest hotspot, huge nuclear strategic assets, seriously threatening peace and security of the peninsula and pushing the situation there to the brink of a war. This has created a dangerous situation in which a thermonuclear war may break out at any moment. That according to the uh, North Korea's news agency on Friday, House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi is again calling for immediate debate over uh, the use of force following the uh, this reported saber rattling, as she described it, on North Korea. She said every day the president gives Congress reason to return and debate the use of force. The president's escalation in Syria and his saber rattling on North Korea demand serious and immediate congressional scrutiny. Pelosi said in a statement, Speaker Ryan must call Congress back into session for classified briefings and debate. Congress must do its duty and honor our responsibility to the Constitution. Congress, of course, is currently in the middle of an 18 day spring break, so they don't seem to be any in any rush to uh, to hurry back to debate whether it's North Korea or whether it's Syria, which Barack Obama had asked them to debate years ago and they refused to do. They refused to do their part, their constitutional duty in debating uh, in debating war and and uh, in, in actually debating and, and giving the OK to the president to go to war. The president doesn't seem to be uh, interested in that, doesn't seem to be concerned. He seems to be ready to go to war anytime he wants to in violation of the Constitution, which Ernie Canning wrote about today at Bradblog.com about uh, a need for Congress to censure Trump for his attack on Syria last week which he says is in violation of both the War Powers Act and Congress's sole power to declare war on another sovereign nation. This act, of course, would have been impeachable, uh, you know, had Obama done it, but uh, in Syria and uh, even here in North Korea. But, you know, we got double standards, apparently, when it comes to Republicans uh, in the White House in any event. Congress does not seem uh, interested in coming back to debate any of this. They are once again absent. Um, and it's not just double standards under Republican presidents, uh, especially when it comes to war making powers by any U.S. president. Canning speaks to that as well in his piece today at Bradblog.com. But hey, speaking of extended vacations, uh, Fox News' uh, Bill O'Reilly is on one for some reason. 
And we will talk about that reason and much more after this break with uh, with my guest, Eric Bollert. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. Don't go away. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Fox News is on the run again. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Vox.com, not Fox.com, but Vox.com's German Lopez recently charged, if you believe, Fox News host Bill O'Reilly. He's just going on a pre-planned vacation. But if you look at the swirling disaster around him, this could be the end for the O'Reilly factor. Last week, O'Reilly announced that he was going on vacation until April 24. A spokesperson for O'Reilly told Variety that this was a planned vacation, had been planned for months. He said the arrangements, including airline and hotel reservations for this vacation, were made last October. The vacation involves a group of people, and the timing coincides with the period Mr. O'Reilly often takes off in and around his children's spring break. However... A recent analysis by AP finds that O'Reilly hasn't taken off this much time uh, consecutively in March or April for at least 10 years, according to an examination of his show's transcripts. The not-at-all-unusually-long vacation for Fox News and um, cable news's, for that matter, top-rated star comes just a week or so after Emily Steele and Michael Schmidt reported at the New York Times that O'Reilly and Fox News have paid roughly $13 million since 2004 to five different women who worked for O'Reilly or appeared on his show and later complained about his sexually harassing behavior. Two of the settlements reportedly came after former Fox News chair Roger Ailes was dismissed from Fox uh, last year amid another sexual harassment scandal. According to Eric Bollert at Media Matters, citing another new lawsuit against Ailes filed apparently just last week, the latest allegations at Fox News are familiar. Bollert writes... We learn that men who have worked in positions of power at Fox News allegedly groped women, kissed them against their will, made inappropriate sexual comments, asked about female employees' sex lives, promised promotions in exchange for sex, cut short careers of women who took offense, and scheduled, quote, phone sex in the office. And that is uh, when they weren't demanding oral sex from female subordinates, writes Bullard. For his part, O'Reilly says the complaints against him are without merit, I guess all of them, and essentially the settlements that he paid, in theory, all of them, uh, which were sealed and secret, were uh, were less than the cost of fighting both the, that and the, uh, the bad headlines that would surely have otherwise come along with them. But in the wake of the latest allegations, uh, 
against O'Reilly. Dozens of advertisers have now pulled their ads from his show, and the number of national ads on O'Reilly's show has, according to Variety, dropped from an average of 33 in the month prior to the New York Times report to just seven last Friday. Seven. New York Magazine's Gabe Sherman, who literally wrote the book on Fox News and its founder and now former chief uh, Roger Ailes, uh, says that multiple sources at Fox are suggesting that O'Reilly could now be off the air permanently. The same law firm that previously carried out an investigation for Fox leading to the ouster of Ailes for apparently serial sexual harassment himself is now said to be investigating the charges against O'Reilly. And, uh, writes Sherman, James Murdoch, the co-CEO of Fox News' uh, parent company, 20, 21st Century Fox, according to Sherman, uh, would like O'Reilly to be permanently taken off the air. But uh, his father, uh, Rupert Murdoch, the owner of the company, and uh, James's older brother, Lachlan, uh, as well as Fox News co-president Bill Shine, are all pushing for O'Reilly, the fake news channel's top star, to remain on the air. So uh, what is actually going on here? What can we expect? Um, and frankly, what should we have expected long ago? Here to talk about that is our old friend Eric Bullert, senior fellow at Media Matters for America, author of Bloggers on the Bus, How the Internet Changed Politics and the Press, and Lapdogs, How the Press Rolled Over for George W. Bush. I think it may be time for a sequel, Eric Bollert. Welcome back to the broadcast, sir. Thanks for having me. Yeah, get writing. Uh, well, listen, when we originally uh, uh, booked you a couple of days ago, I knew I wanted to talk about this O'Reilly business, uh, but there are a couple of other items I also that have cropped up since, uh, including a disturbing hire at the New York Times, uh, and not to mention this cheerleading we're seeing in some parts of the corporate media for Trump's warmongering. So I want to ask you a little bit about that, too, in a second. But let's start with Fox News and O'Reilly in any event. And I should note, Eric, uh, by way of full disclosure, Media Matters president, Angelo uh, Carasoni or Carasone? I never know Carasone. how to... Carasoni. Uh, he's also running the Stop O'Reilly Twitter account, which is calling on advertisers uh, on the O'Reilly show to pull their ads, which is a model that is based on uh, his earlier work years ago uh, to stop Rush Limbaugh after the uh, right wing radio star there targeted a female reproductive rights advocate, uh, called her a, quote, slut. So, Eric Bullard, did uh, did that campaign against Limbaugh ultimately work? And is this one against O'Reilly, uh, is it working so far as you see it? Yeah, I think the Limbaugh one did work. If you talk to people in the radio industry, there was a huge exodus from Limbaugh. Limbaugh, law, you know, if you look at his roster these days, you know, New York, Boston, L.A., he's been, you know, even places like Indianapolis, uh, he's been... Um, kicked off longtime stations. He's at the end of the dial on, on AM stations that uh, some of them don't even have ratings. Uh, so there's no question that that his star power uh, never really recovered, and it did recover in the marketplace in terms of advertisers who are willing to be with him. And the same, uh, you know, Glenn Beck. Glenn Beck lost his show on Fox News, not because his audience got any smaller. It didn't. He still had two million viewers. Um, and when Roger L says it's time to go because they couldn't sell his show. They couldn't monetize his audience. If you can't sell ads 
on a show, even though you have a really big audience, it becomes a charity. Uh, and that's the, that's what Rupert Murdoch and the, and the Murdoch Sons are now wrestling with with O'Reilly. What what do they do with this? Uh, you know, they used to, as you mentioned, they used to run 18 minutes of ads per show. Now they're running seven minutes of ads per show. Uh, you know, it's a public company. Are, are are they willing to literally run a charity at eight o'clock at night every night because they don't want to admit defeat? Uh, so they're in a lot of trouble. I can't. I will never predict what's gonna. I should never try to predict what's going to happen at Fox News. Um, And, and, uh, you know, certainly they would never fire uh, O'Reilly because he's an awful person or says awful things. The only reason they would let him go is because um, they can't monetize his show. Uh, now, two days, I think this was, after the the, uh, the latest uh, O'Reilly scandal broke in the New York Times, the uh, F- Fox News owner, uh, Rupert Murdoch, sent a memo to employees congratulating them on their latest uh, ratings success. He said the first few months of this year have already given us much to be thankful for. And th- this was uh, just two days after the story had broken the New York Times. He said Fox News just delivered its highest rated quarter ever and remains number one in cable in both primetime and total day, adding that he is tremendously proud of our entire team. But he did not mention anything about the uh, right. the, the, the sex uh, harassment news at Fox. Has the management team, to your knowledge, Eric, uh, addressed the issue at all with staff, uh, to your knowledge? Uh, I haven't seen any reporting. I've seen reporting that there's internal debate There's in terms of what to do. Uh, certainly within the larger 21st century um, uh, media umbrella outside of Fox News, they own lots of uh, um, cable and other television productions. People are, are deeply embarrassed. Here's the thing. You know, the Murdoch family, the Murdoch sons in particular, could have cleaned up the culture of Fox News when they just went through this exact same thing mm-hmm. last summer with Roger Ailes. Right? They said, we're going to have an internal investigation and then we're going to decide what to do. So they had an internal investigation which found out that essentially Roger Ailes was a a serial harasser. They fired him, gave him tens of millions of dollars uh, out the door, i.e. bought his silence, and then promoted people that had completely enabled Roger Ailes and, in fact, were specifically um, um, complained or targeted Mm -hmm. for covering up sexual harassment. So the Murdoch sons had a chance to clean up the culture. They completely covered it over. They paid off Roger Ailes to go away quietly. They they promoted people who had enabled him. And now where are they? You know, they thought they were going, you know, they were free. And now they're right back where they started. So now they're, they literally hired the same law firm for Roger Ailes to do another internal investigation of, of, uh, of Bill O'Reilly. And then we'll see what they come up with. Um, but again, the, the Murdoch family could have fixed, could have addressed this culture, except they re- instead they rewarded the people who helped create it in the first place. Is it even credible that uh, with, with that last investigation into Ailes that they did not? How could they have not looked into the allegations against O'Reilly? I mean, we've uh, this new report adds a few more uh, allegations against him, but. He had already had at least one known uh, uh, settlement with someone who had charged years ago, a a producer that had uh, charged uh, that he harassed her. 
they claimed to be cleaning house last year when they got rid of Ailes and they did this investigation. Is it even credible at all that they would not have looked? How can it be that they wouldn't have looked at the charges against O'Reilly at the same time? You know, I, th- I think they did because of that New York Times, uh, that excellent New York Times report that, that detailed five uh, lawsuits that had been settled, totaling $13 million over the years. Uh, they pointed out that O'Reilly's contract was just renewed, and Fox News knew about these lawsuits. Um, and they, you know, their their spin was, well, there's language in his contract renewal that gives us more leverage if if he behaves poorly or things like that. Who who on what planet does someone on your staff file five sexual harassment lawsuits and then you re up and and you know give them another contract? In, in this case, apparently. Um, for eighteen million dollars, so uh, they could have addressed this culture. They they have, for whatever reason, they decided not to. They decided not to clean house, and and now they're stuck shoveling the stuff uh, nine months later. And the so, exact same, the exact same claims. So they were aware of this when they yep. re-upped him. Who is? Because this name comes up, but we may have even talked about it last time, uh, well, whenever it was last year, Eric, that we talked about a Roger Ailes. But this name keeps coming up again and again in everything I've ever read about any allegation against Fox. Uh, who is Bill Shine, and why the hell does he still have a job at Fox News at this point, Eric? Yeah, he, he really is central to all of this. And again, for the Roger Ailes allegations, which were so bad that, that Fox News basically fired him time and time again. Women who came forward um, said, Bill Shine covered it up. Bill Shine told me to let it go. He's a powerful man. Bill Shine and, and uh, um, the general counsel um, didn't do anything when I complained over and over again. Yeah. And so who do they promote to co-president of Fox News last August? Bill Shine. And again, with the O'Reilly stuff, if you look at the, uh, the New York Times investigation, you look at Andrea Tantero's uh, uh, lawsuit, I think, um, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, Bill Shine, again and again, you know, he, he covered for Ailes. He's been, he's been close to O'Reilly for 20 years. Uh, and it makes you wonder why are they afraid to part company with certain people <laughs> in, in that office? And he is, he is certainly one of them. The uh, argument that uh, has come out, and I don't know that O'Reilly has, he hasn't addressed any of this on air at all, has he? No, he has not. Um, the argument that, uh, you know, is, is out there, I guess, in the ether, and we heard this also from uh, Donald Trump and the charges against him, oh, is that, you know, stars, big names, high-profile people like Donald Trump, like uh, uh, Bill O'Reilly, they're always targeted because they've got a lot of money, so they're targeted by these women who make up these allegations. Um, well, A, what do you think of, 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 of that <laughs> Of, of that excuse, uh, particularly when you look at, well, you know, I'm I'm unfamiliar with uh, these kind of charges against, I don't know, Glenn Beck, Sean Hannity, yeah. uh, you know, people at, at regular news networks. Uh, so uh, what do you make of that? Well, there, there's a few things that are interesting. Right. You know, uh, Sean Hannity has been at Fox News for 20 years. I, I don't know of a single allegation against him like this. Mm-hmm. Um and, and and they're all internal. So Bill O'Reilly 
Kelly's thing is always, I'm under siege from my liberal critics. You know, the liberal media is out to get me. I have a target on my back because, you know, George Soros' army is trying to take me down. <laughs> These are all people who worked with him at Fox News, right? This, this is an internal problem. Mm. So he, he always likes to blame things on outside forces and, 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 you know, liberal activists who are targeting him. Andrea Tantaros does not have a, you know, did not sue Fox News for, for sexual harassment because, you know, the nation put it up to her or MSNBC right. is paying her off. This is all internal problems at Fox News. And, and so um, he's got no one else to blame but himself. And, and the other thing is that, uh, you know, uh, and again, we don't really hear these from anyone else at Fox News. Oh, and, and the comment that, you know, uh, his spin person gave to the New York Times, they gave him a statement, was paraphrasing, basically saying, I get sued all the time, and I settle because, because of my kids. Um, you, know, I, you know, I don't want to go through this because of my kids. Mm-hmm. Which to me is just basically an open invitation to, if you want to make a few million dollars, sue me, and we'll settle. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just a very strange you know, legal strategy. Um, so it doesn't, as, as you suggest, it doesn't really make sense, the idea that I'm a high-profile partisan, therefore I get sued all the time, and by the way, I always have to settle. Um, there's no one else on the, in, the, in the conservative media landscape today who's constantly settling sexual harassment lawsuits that I know of, that I've heard about. Even his friend Donald Trump uh, says that uh, he shouldn't have settled uh, <laughs> in this case. Um, is uh, this woman, Wendy Walsh, who I guess was a, a guest on O'Reilly's right. show, um, she seems to be the one woman that O'Reilly uh, allegedly harassed but who did not file a lawsuit against him. Is Is she key here? Because it seems like She's able to talk about what happened, whereas all of these other women had to basically go away, shut up, and we actually couldn't get any more details after he uh, promised to give him a few million dollars and go away. Well, she's certainly the, the most uh, probably important right now, just because of 21st Century has uh, sort of kicked off this internal investigation, and I think they're specifically looking at this case, and as you say, it hasn't been settled, so maybe people are more free to talk. Um, so, you know, we don't know if there's anyone else who's going to come forward. But, yeah, her case right now is probably the most important because it hasn't been settled, right? And, and so uh, it, it's not an old case. It's, it's a new one. There are new allegations. And if we continue to see new allegations from different people, it's just going to make it harder and harder for both of them. You noted that uh, federal, pro- in your uh, piece on this at MediaMatters.org, uh, uh, Eric Bollert, that uh, federal prosecutors are now investigating whether Fox News's parent company made sufficient disclosures to its investors about these settlements of sexual harassment uh, claims. Given the, the the changeover in management at the Department of Justice and specifically the, the firing of New York U.S. Attorney Preet Bharara recently, uh, whose office was reportedly in charge of that investigation, do you have reason to believe that the investigation uh into appropriate disclosure to shareholders and investors will actually be carried out by the DOJ I, I, I have my doubts and I think everyone at Fox corporate in 21st century kind of breathed a sigh of relief which when uh, the New York Attorney General was 
essentially fired. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, of all the things that they're facing, um, the DOJ investigation under the Trump administration is probably not their biggest problem. Uh, they're, they're probably their biggest problem are, A, private citizens who are filing these civil suits, and, and of course, their advertisers, which, which, they're, which there's an exodus away from the O'Reilly show. So even with the ratings staying up at Fox, yeah. uh, it's, it, this is still going to be costly for O'Reilly, and, and uh, who knows uh, if he'll ever return from the... So no prediction on whether he'll uh, be off the air for good at this point? Uh, there, you know, I, again, I don't want to predict because <laughs> who knows, but you know, I, I think he'll come back, and I think he's going to still have seven minutes of ads in his show when he's supposed to have 17 or 18, uh, and that's that's a problem for Fox's bottom line. There's no question. By the way, you're smart to not make a prediction. Thanks for not taking my bait. Uh, <laughs> smart. Uh, a couple of uh, other points, uh, somewhat related, uh, that I want to hit before you leave, Eric. Uh, I was, I was, I had been gaining some confidence, some, not a lot, but some confidence in the corporate media in the age of. Trump yeah. uh, with their willingness to frankly to call him out that is until we got to last week's arguably unlawful unconstitutional seemingly ineffective and pointless attack on a Syrian airbase and then it seems that the old militaristic cheerleading instincts that we saw particularly under George W Bush for example seem to be just come rushing back for both broadcast and print media uh, yeah, I mean, there was definitely a problem with with the coverage, um, and, and you're right. I mean, it just it did kind of spring out of nowhere, right? Look, you know, the press and cable TV really, at least in the short term, love nothing more than handing over the programming to generals, to retired generals, to tell us why dropping bombs is a great idea and why we should do it more often and why it always works. Now, you know, with the Syria bombing, you know, within 24 hours, all the whole facade had kind of melted away, right? We learned that, you know, the U.S. had told Russia, who told Syria, and it looks like they moved their planes and the airfield, the airstrip was functional 24 hours later. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the knee-jerk response is, is oh, it seems to be, you know, and... and, and you know, the next day the New York Times wrote this ridiculous front-page yeah. story, right, about how, how Trump was now leading with his heart and, and this, this kind of pointless bombing campaign was going to, quote, change the course of his presidency. And so I, I think there was some initial knee-jerk stuff. I don't, the good news is, the silver lining is, it, it, it didn't last very long because as the facts came out, the whole raid seemed to be increasingly pointless. What I found, even, but what I found more troubling, was this attempt to make Trump presidential. Mm-hmm. Right, dropping bombs makes you presidential. Uh, you know, he had suddenly elevated himself to some sort of diplomat or statesman, and and, and it's like this. It's it's like searching for the Loch Ness monster. Right, <laughs> it's it's such a pointless attempt. Uh, but the press keeps sending out these search parties with their binoculars, right? We, we, we think we see his head popping up out of the water, right? There's presidential Trump. We see him. We see him. It's such a fool there, and, and it's not going to happen. But the press desperately wants this guy to be normal. Yes, we, we can, we'll say he's eccentric. He's a little unusual. But they, they're so desperate to kind of pull him into the realm of mainstream American politics 
when he's not even close to being there. But see, that's that's my concern because their boosterism, I think, after Syria has sort of, uh, you know, given him support uh, for what for the sable ra- saber rattling we're now seeing in uh, in North Korea. And uh, I don't have any reason to believe, you know, if he does something incredibly stupid, like launch yep. a preemptive attack on North Korea, I don't I don't have any particular confidence that the media is going to call that out as illegal or unlawful. I think they're going to do what they always do is get behind the president. Uh, do you have any reason to believe they're going to be more skeptical uh, if something like that happens than than they were last week right after Syria? No, I'm not. And, and what would complicate it is if we start including U.S. troops, mm-hmm. then it's right. really automatic that you cannot question this stuff. Right. It, I mean, this, dropping bombs, you know, that's kind of, there's a certain detachment. Um, you know, there weren't, you know, all these, for Syria, there weren't particularly amazing, amazing or arresting images on the ground. Yeah, and there wasn't much for the White House to sell in terms of, uh, again, television images. Uh, and so, you know, I think TV and cable news was responding just to the reports of a bombing and got all excited. What happens if there's images? What happens if we're sending, you know, this this, this harebrained idea of sending 50,000 troops into Syria that, yeah. that got floated over the at the end of the week? Once U.S. troops are involved, I think the the... the the lack of questioning becomes almost automatic in the short term. And that's where we get into a really dangerous situation. And obviously, we lived through that during the Iraq War uh, invasion. Um, you know, the press was so reluctant to call it out. They bought into this WMD lie because how, how can, you know, you can't call a war based on lies if we're sending U.S. troops in, then you're not supporting the, you know, that yeah. becomes a whole other complicated uh, calculation and formula. So you're right. I, I, I think there is absolutely reason to be concerned, and 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 even th- that concern even multiplies uh, if Trump starts sending thousands here, thousands there, tens of thousands of troops anywhere. Uh, even though his his policies are so incoherent, and no one has any idea where it's coming from. I think the the, the media would would absolutely support him no matter what he did, which is frightening. Yeah, it is frightening. It's frightening. It's dangerous. I'm still trying to figure out why and what's that what what that's about. But we know they're going to do it, if only because uh, one more point that I want to ask you about here, Eric, on this. Uh, let's see. Uh, Parker Malloy uh, from Upworthy uh, noted it this way. She uh, said, uh, I think it's a she. Uh, New York Times just hired a dude who doesn't believe in climate change. The dude is Brett Stevens of uh, Wall Street Journal. He's now moving to New York Times, and Media Matters uh, researched his record uh, and and headlined, uh, From the Iraq War to Climate Change to Sexual Assault, New York Times new op-ed columnist Brett Steve- Stevens is a serial misinformer. And just to give you uh, listeners uh, an idea, uh, he writes, uh, Global warming is a sick-souled religion, not science. Uh, he compared climate science to a dying religion and a system of doom, quote, system of doomsday prophecy and faith in things unseen. He says we can't predict the next 24 hours of weather and we're supposed to believe we can predict climate 100 years out. He did the same thing, by the way, on the Iraq war. Uh, so this is this is not Breitbart hiring this guy. This is yeah. the New York Times hiring him for the op ed page. Oh, and and and. and- and 
and, and calling him and, uh, you know, touting his, quote, intellect uh, on Twitter. And we saw New York Times reporters, um, you know, uh, talking about how, what a serious guy he was. We saw other, you know, there was a, a, a media reporter for CNN on Twitter, I saw, saying, well, you might not like him, but no one can deny, you know, he, he's, he's deeply thoughtful, I think was the phrase. What the, what the hell? And, and not only... Not only the stuff he wrote, you have to understand, he was deputy editor of the Wall Street Journal editorial page during the Obama years. I mean, it was pure insanity, the stuff they were publishing. Just Benghazi alone. Just the fact that he had anything to do with seven years of baloney Benghazi column. Right. Um, and the fact that, you know, the Wall Street Journal editorial page predicted, you know, Obamacare would implode for seven years and all this stuff. But yeah, they they hired a climate denier and touted him as this deep intellect. And you know, the New York Times is trying to position itself. You know, it's trying to build. You know, it's bragging about. You know, its subscribers are going up because you know we're the alternate of fake news, right? We're going to hold Trump accountable. You can't do both at the same time. You know, you can't say come to us for fact checking and hire a climate denier. I mean, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. In fact. I think the New York Times adopted, you know, the newsroom adopted guidelines within the last few years, basically saying, we're not quoting climate deniers anymore. Like, this is ridiculous. Right. Uh, we're, we're, we're just not going to waste our time doing that. And then they hire a columnist who does it for a living. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. I mean, they're, it's like they're, you know, they're trying to hold hands with these right-wing loons to, but, you and, know. and here's the other context, yeah. right? So Brett Stevens has, has kind of become, you know, to his weird credit, he is anti-Trump, and he has been critical of Trump. Uh, and, and so the writing was on the wall. There was no way Rupert Murdoch's Wall Street Journal was going to employ for four years however, or however long Trump is president. There was no way that they were going to employ uh, you know, a critic of Trump. But just because someone is a conservative is a critic of Trump's, doesn't mean that he should be writing for the New York Times and, and kind of heralded as a hero if he doesn't believe in climate change. If he, if he, you know, has kind of mocked the idea of, of, of sexual assault on campuses mm-hmm. and, and things like that. So I, I see what the Times was trying to he, do. He also said, "Oh, he's, he's anti-Trump. Let's bring him on. You know, we're all in this together." But you have to look at the totality. You can't just look at what. Someone is someone on the right wing has written for three months and say, "Oh, you know, boy, he, he's a he's a super serious, thoughtful person." He also said the Iran nuclear deal was quote oh, worse than the, 19, on his Iran stuff. <laughs> than the nineteen thirty eight Munich agreement with the yeah. Nazis. Good God, uh, they never learn. And there's a lot of people who have you know gone in and bought subscriptions to papers like the New York right. Times and the Washington Post, and uh, yet it, evidence suggests uh, at least management at some of these places are still up to their old disappointing uh, tricks. I'm sorry to say, uh, Eric Bollert, always great talking to you, catching up with you, sir. Uh, check out his work at MediaMatters.org, and as I always recommend, follow him on the Twitters. One of the best followers on the tw- uh, one of the best follows on the Twitters. Uh, he is simply Eric Bollert there. Uh, thank you, my friend, and uh, I hope you have a happy and uh, hopefully we all have a peaceful holiday, sir. All right, great. You too. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Eric. 
Okay, uh, Desi Doyen, are you uh, you ready for the Green News Report coming up momentarily? I, I am, but I had one thing that I wanted to say. You know, he mentions all of the all of the women who accused Bill O'Reilly of sexual harassment and then settled with Fox News. You know, none of those women are on the air anymore, as far as I know, anywhere, not even local news or anything. He pretty much, you know, destroyed their careers. And I think that that's a, you know, you can accuse them of, hey, that's what you get when you work at Fox News. But I think it's a very, very sad thing to have destroyed someone's hopes and dreams from their careers just because you're a pig and you can't restrain yourself. Well said. All right. Uh, I, I can't can't disagree with that at all. Yeah. I mean, some of them may be on the air somewhere or working somewhere. Uh, and I guess they have a few million dollars in their pocket, but their career is over. And uh, Bill O'Reilly keeps on ticking, at least for now. All right. Quick break. And we're back with the Green News Report with the delightful Desi Doyen. Right after this, I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com slash donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com slash donate, and thanks. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Hey, Desi Doyen, how is that uh, How is that strategy of Republican governor uh, from Florida, Rick Scott, working out to... Uh, <laughs> To, to deny, I guess, state officials from even being able to talk about global warming. How's that working out for them? I would say not well. As evidenced in our latest Green News report. All of Florida is still under a state of emergency right now. And at this hour, some 100 fires are still burning. State of Florida battles unprecedented early wildfire season. Court upholds California's cap-and-trade emissions trading system. Trump's Bureau of Land Management to prioritize fossil fuel extraction. Now's your chance to weigh in on EPA regulations. I'm in favor of them. Plus, iceberg, run ahead! An iceberg armada is invading the Arctic. Oh, come on, icebergs. Don't give Trump any ideas. All of those stories and more straight ahead from bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and... Snarky comment. Even corporations, yes, corporations, are speaking out against Trump's climate policy. Levi's, Staples, the Gap, Exxon, M&M's said it's gotten so bad our product melts in your hand. (laughs) That is bad. This is your Green News Report. 
Okay, Desi Doyen, the California drought is apparently over, but uh, it looks like it's just moved over to Florida. Yeah, Florida Governor Rick Scott on Tuesday declared a state of emergency across the entire state to free up state and federal resources to fight an outbreak of destructive wildfires. More than 100 active wildfires are now burning across Florida and have scorched nearly 70,000 acres over just the last month. The wildfires have forced evacuations and road closures and have already burned two. 250 percent more acreage during just the first three months of this year than during the same period last year. And it's expected to get worse as drought conditions and lightning frequency increases in the state during the coming warm months. That's okay. Florida will soon be underwater and all the fires will be out. But good news in California, a state appeals court has upheld California's statewide cap and trade system for reducing greenhouse gas emissions. The court rejected arguments from the fossil fuel industry and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce that the market-based system was an illegal tax. The court instead upheld the state's authority to operate the voluntary market-based system that reduces emissions by allowing polluters to buy and trade pollution allowances. It's a voluntary system? Yes. And yet the fossil fuel industry and the Chamber of Commerce were were fighting this voluntary system? (laughs) Yes, they were. Amazing. The Trump administration Bureau of Land Management will shift its focus to accelerating fossil fuel development on public lands. That's according to a leaked internal memo, which orders agency employees to prioritize and streamline leasing and permitting for coal, mining, and oil and gas projects, and Trump's proposed wall on the Mexican border. Why don't they just change the name from Bureau of Land Management to Bureau of Land Sales. They might just do that because the BLM right now is wasting no time in reflecting that focus on extraction. The main photo on the BLM's website was changed from a family hiking on their beautiful public lands to a photo of a massive wall of coal being mined. The photo was changed after public outcry, but interestingly, that photo of the coal mine was a mine owned by Peabody Energy which just came out of bankruptcy proceedings, sticking taxpayers with most of their toxic mine cleanup bill. Sounds like the Trump administration is uh, picking winners and losers here when it comes to coal. Well, now you have a chance, though, to weigh in on which EPA regulations you'd like to have survive the Trump administration. The EPA has opened up a public comment period where you can weigh in on Trump's executive orders requiring federal agencies to identify which regulations will be repealed, replaced, or modified. You can make your voice heard. The deadline is May 15th. We have all the info at our website, greennews.bradblog.com. Or you can just go to epa.gov and and find your way there. In the Arctic, global warming is creating new and unusual problems because of a record loss of sea ice, changes in ocean currents, and disruption of wind and weather patterns. The Arctic is now seeing an armada of icebergs, an iceberg swarm threatening shipping lanes, literally, where on average there would be about 80 icebergs this time of year. There are now 450 something that U.S. Coast Guard Arctic commanders say they've never seen anything like it. Why are there so many icebergs? Because the oceans are warmer and these ice chunks are melting and breaking away? Pretty much, yes. Also amazing. Finally, a sign of the times. A museum in Kentucky that documents the history of the coal industry is installing solar panels on its roof to save money, eight to $10,000 a year. 
The irony of a coal museum turning to clean and cheap solar for energy was not lost on climate hawks who say that's the only place coal belongs, in the ground or in a museum. And from what I understand, the folks in this tiny, almost gone coal town in Kentucky are not upset at all about saving eight or $10,000 a year. And all of a sudden, they're, they're fascinated by this whole solar thing. Imagine that. Indeed. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to, check out our website before it burns down or gets hit by an iceberg at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us, follow us, and share us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyle. And this has been your Green News Report. Yeah. Stop your crying, snowflakes. <laughs> uh, thank you very much, Desi Doyen. Before uh, before we go here, uh, the, uh, poll results from uh, my Twitter poll that oh, I yes. uh, put up yesterday asking, is Donald Trump insane? Oh, what were the results? The results from my totally scientific, not anecdotal at all, Twitter poll find that um, of those who uh, follow me and answered the, uh, answered the poll... believe that Donald Trump is insane. Just 16% believe that he is not insane. Who are the 16%? I have no idea. Well, you know, he might not be insane. Insane like a fox. In any event, uh, let's see, uh, our our, our affiliate GDPR Revolution 99 also uh, jumped in to add, is Trump insane? Yes. Hell yes. F yes. And (laughs) dangerously so. Hot Coffee and Pie tweeted, Can he tell right from wrong? No, but mm, he knows what others think. Has always been a sociopath, now possibly a sociopath with advancing dementia. And nuclear weapons. Yep. And Tim Randosaurus uh, tweets, Abusive, uncaring, unaffected, self-absorbed, and stupid, but not insane. Mm, Okay. We'll find out, uh, I'm afraid, uh, as this uh, North Korea situation develops. We'll hey, be we got a couple more years it. to go. Uh, I hope so. I hope so. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen, our producer. My thanks to our guest today, Eric Bollert of Media Matters, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It is, as always, greatly appreciated. As are those of you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us continue to do what we try to do here every day on the air. You can drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And you can find me on the Facebooks and the Twitters at simply the Brad Blog. That's it. Fingers crossed. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. <laughs>